Shut up and sit down. Today I joined Ello, um, which is um, a social media platform for artists and creators and curators of content on the internet. It's been around for about four years. I've seen it before, but I never really played with it, so I played with it today. Um, and I joined, and I followed a bunch of people, and um, posted my link. And um, it, you can find me on Ello. Hello, hello, hello. If you're already a member. Uh, my profile is marked adult, so you have to make sure you can see adult content in your settings with the not safe for work content. Um, and then y- you can search for me by my name. But if you do that, please make sure that when you hit on the search tab that you search for people instead of posts. At least at first. That way you can find me and follow me. And then go back to that search function and put my name again in again. <laughs> And look at posts. <laughs> so you can meet Marco. <laughs> Who is the curator of buttholes. <laughs> There's just like a whole page of dudes showing their butts. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, I highly recommend you, you do that. Oh, anyways, because I wanted to see how easy it would be to find me. It's it's a it's a it's a blog dedicated to asshole selfies. Anyway, so how easy it would be to find me. So I went over and I put my name in the search box. I neglected to click on people, so I clicked on post first. And the good lord, <laughs> I got a screen full of buttholes. I was like, well, he is really proud of his ass. <laughs> There's dick too. There's dick. Yeah. There's there's lots of pe- um, penis, um, and um, but Ello is kind of like uh, if Instagram and Tumblr had a baby, uh, it, it would be Ello. So um, I I'm actually kind of enjoying it. I like the space. I like the um, interface, and um, I hope it doesn't die <laughs> a slow death. But it's been around for three or four years, so hopefully that means that they've. I don't know. I don't know what that means. I mean, it could disappear tomorrow for all I know. But I like it. I do. Um, when I was getting ready to do the podcast, I got on um, Skype to call in. <clears throat> and I just hit dial, thinking that the last time I'd used Skype, that I had used it to call Blog Talk. And that was not accurate. Um, and I got the Chinese place. And you know how when you call someplace and, like, they have that standard greeting and then you have, like, your standard response? Dudes, I almost ordered Chinese food <laughs> before I realized that I had called the wrong number. I was like, oh, gosh, I called the wrong number. I'm sorry. And she laughed and hung up on me. But I came very precariously close to ordering Chinese food. Um, 
kind of Pavlovian um, response to her greeting. Yes, I'll take two garlic chicken wings and some fried rice. <laughs> it was a near thing. It it really was. I'm going to get Julie on the air. Um, we're going to talk about uh, fandom and um, uh, being a good fandom citizen. And um, we're just going to bitch about it. That That's all that boils down to. Because that's what we're good at. That and finding assholes, apparently. <laughs> I have never. I was like, that is fascinating. I mean, I scrolled down the page for quite a bit because I just could not. I was just like, I wouldn't well, want to call it a to car me, wreck or anything. But well, to me, more than the more than the asshole pictures, that what was fascinating was he put up screen caps of pieces of his conversation with these men, where he's c- talking them through or. Or, you know, asking them how they feel about or what does it mean to them to post their asshole online. <laughs> and it was like, I'm reading these conversations. I'm like, wow, this is, he's like the asshole whisperer or something. He's CYA. He's covering his own ass because he's posting yes. pictures of other people. He has proof. That they agreed. That they wanted it. Um, yeah. They said, they said, please, people want to be on his blog. I mean, they, they, they like, you know, say, can I send you a picture of my asshole so I can be on your blog? And he's like, sure. And then he posts the picture of the conversation underneath the asshole. So, you know, it's, um, <laughs> um, it is, it is stunning. I kind of, I told you, I kind of want to do a, a, like a, 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 a spoof blog where we get people to send in pictures of their belly button. Um, <laughs> but you know that's a fetish. Belly buttons? Yeah, there are men who have a belly button fetish. Well, I didn't say it'd be my belly button. <laughs> oh, still, sis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just. Uh, I, it was, and the thing is, uh, this is happening right before the podcast, so. I was like, okay, like it's a half hour before the podcast. I need to get a snack and I need to refill my tea and I need to you know, go to the bathroom, blah, 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 blah. All the stuff has to happen. And um, the last thing I've been looking at was the asshole, but I, I didn't I didn't close the tab. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, so I got distracted and I come back. like So it's gone for like 20 minutes and I forget what I was doing. But when I left the computer 20 minutes prior, because, you know, of course I do. I don't remember what I'm doing until I log back in. And I log in, I hit my, turn my password, screen saver goes off. It was like, oh, assholes. <laughs> I'm blind. <laughs> so, meanwhile, I'm over here humming the what, what, and the butt song. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be more interesting if there was something in the butt. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just I actually what I said was I kind of like I was like Jesus fucking Christ and my sister's like are you okay? I was like I'm fine. <laughs> there was an asshole. <laughs> or fifteen. How do you how do you explain that? <laughs> especially especially to her. Yeah. She 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 didn't believe me that dick pics were a thing at one point. So I had to explain you know, I had to like show her that people, you know, the articles and stuff about because she's like, People don't do that. I'm like, Yes they do. She isn't. She isn't social media. It's not her thing. She thinks it's really weird, so she just doesn't have any exposure to this. And so when I start talking about dick pics, she goes, "Pictures of a dick," and I was like, "Yeah, 
She's like, well, what do you mean? That's men send unsolicited their pictures of their penis to people. I was like, yeah. She says, well, did he get in trouble? I'm like, we're talking about one man. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of men. This is a regular thing. Dick out. The wee willy winky guy was hysterical. That that whole monologue about dick pics and how they're unacceptable was it was it was hysterical. I'll get the link because there's no point in mentioning it <laughs> if I'm not going to get people the link. This comedian He's talking was about just, how we share them with our friends and critique their penis. That's true. That's true. The last yes, time one of my friends did dick pic, I got it. I got it, and I was like, well. I said, you need to write back and tell him that he needs to go to the doctor because it shouldn't be crooked at the end. He's obviously that broken right there. Said, that, that's either an STD or a severe physical injury, and I don't know how he pisses without crying. <laughs> like a penile fracture. Yeah, no near yeah, it was. That. All right, let me get back to the chat room. Ah, they found it. Lady Holder found it. Okay, that's it. That's not quite the version that I... Just in case, I'll post the same one that I had. I think that they're the same video, but since I haven't... Anyway. Um, oh. I thought yeah, Ella, what he Ella. asked if he could send me a picture of his penis, I said, if you send me a picture of your penis, I will put it on the internet with your full name. And he said, no, that's revenge porn. I said, no, revenge porn would be to do it um, without telling you in advance. I said, this is a warning. If you send me a picture of your penis that I don't want, I will put it on the internet with your full name. (laughs) He did not send me a picture of his penis. Smart man. Well, then there was that guy. Hugo, was that his name? He sent you his dick on, t- on Twitter? What was his name? I remember I him. I yeah, he just like, he just he just put his dick up there. Just right there on, on the, uh, just his right dick- out there. His ha- his handle on Twitter was something like "Big Dick for You" or something like that, and it wasn't it was an, it was a slightly above average dick, but it was not big. It wasn't. Dick. I mean, big big dick is what we have at the top of the chat room. I mean, I feel like he should have apologized to me for his inappropriate uh, username. Yeah, he said false. I know for big I mean, dick, and it was not mm-hmm. a big dick. It was, it was a, not a big dick, and you got. Your, I seem to recall you got your mother's consult on it. Yeah, it was an average dick. Yeah. Yeah. He was the one I sent the doom dick to. I said, this is a big dick. You know, that's not a knife. This is a knife. (laughs) knife. This is a knife. (laughs) He pulled out a fucking sword. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, yeah, I did send him a picture of a big dick so that he would know in the future what a big dick is. Because obviously he did not know. So you need to change your handle to slightly above average dick for you. <laughs> and, and, so. that would, and that would be perfectly honest. Even honestly, more than enough dick would have been a perfectly honest. Because um, it wasn't small. 
it was perfectly serviceable. It was very serviceable. I agree. I mean, no woman was. If he knows what to do with it. He's going to make his partner happy with that. And clearly, he could maintain an erection. So, well, maybe not yeah. maintain it, but he could so, yeah. get one. Um, so, anyway, dicks and assholes. That was our that was our evening. Yeah. Julie found Jesus on um, Ello. I don't know how to call it Jesus, but sure. <laughs> but you did. <laughs> you called well, it Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I mean, that was more calling out for help than identification. <laughs> <laughs> it is a fascinating blog, I have to say. I I could not help but scroll through it. I, I was like, well, look at that. If it, <laughs> if it had just been dick after dick after dick, I would have... Um, or, or ass after ass, I would have I would have ignored it. I would have seen a couple and moved on. But it was it was those it was those conversations about like how do you feel about privacy and why do you want to put your asshole on the internet and um, it, it, the conversations just fascinated me. It just fascinated me. Um, and like people, and the, and the asshole self were saying, bad. <laughs> no, they weren't. Some of them some of them were quite good, but. Um, but people were saying things like, this is me at my most vulnerable, and I need to share that with people. And I was like, I don't know. I, can't, I don't know if I can deal with asshole porn being profound. <laughs> sort of messing me up. <laughs> Somebody said something like, I need to show that I exist like this. And I was like, huh. Boy, this is, people are putting some okay. thought into why they want to put their asshole on the internet. <laughs> I don't have that particular desire with my vagina I mean I, I should think about my butthole maybe there's something there that I'm not that I'm not thinking about maybe nah dog <laughs> <laughs> but from what I could tell also from the tone of the conversations what I think was happening was that these actually weren't selfies um, he was having web chats with these guys and he was taking stills from the web chat and because he was saying things like, I got lots of nice pictures from that conversation or something like that. And I was like, wow, that is really putting it out there and trusting somebody. He with. does have a Skype on his blog. So that's probably what he's doing. He's doing Skype. Holy shit. <laughs> you think you guys can do that? <laughs> Wait, look at my Skype. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm married. Anyway, it was. Although, it was it, it, I must say, I and I, I had no shame in saying this. If I had two male listeners who wanted to show me them having sex, I would not be opposed. <laughs> <laughs> now the thing is, is that uh, out, out to you, Marco. This is this is our little message to you. Is if if you get a sudden rush of hits from this, all of a sudden that you can't explain, you're welcome. You're so welcome. I do have a very large male audience, although I'm not here. I'm I'm not sure they're here for the dick or the. It could be. It could be. But you know, the ladies are going to go check this out. Just 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 because. <laughs> like, you know. There's like ten thousand. 
sign up for Hello Overnight, Marcos. I mean, some of his some of his pictures only have you know twenty or thirty hits, so he might double his hit count on some of these photos overnight. <laughs> anyway, fandom, 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 fandom. Um, I had a, a kind of. I'll start with something that came up today. Um, that I posted about because, you know, I like to bitch um, on Facebook. That's what Facebook is like, my bitch platform, right? Is I have something to complain about, I'm going to do it on Facebook. Um, Makes but sense. I was, I was re- trying to, and I finally gave up on the story, but it was like every other chapter was this narrative style where they basically spoil the chapter and then explain how they got to there. Like starting with, you know, you know, his father died on a Tuesday, and then backing it up and explaining how his father died. You know, his first kiss occurred the day he graduated college, and then backing up and explaining how his kiss happened. And so basically the climax of the chapter, about every other chapter, was it was, it was given to you as a spoiler at the start of the chapter, and then the rest of the chapter followed on. Now, this is, a, this is not an uncommon narrative style. Um, it's usually used once or twice at most by people who like this. It is not usually used to echo. They're not really flashbacks. It's more like giving a. It's more like it's more like looking forward briefly, and then it's it's kind of a type of nonlinear narrative. But it's I don't know. It's not really flashbacks. So the story told linearly. It's just the start of these chapters gives you this big punch. This you know this big climax moment that's coming, and then you get to see how they got to that. Um, and there are TV shows that use this, um, movies that do this, where you see a critical moment and then they back it up and explain how you got to that critical moment. Usually you do it one time. But there are authors who do it over and over and over again in the story. And it drives me crazy. And it's not just because I don't like nonlinear storytelling. It's not just that, although that's a, that's a factor. The other factors, I get tired of the anticipation being taken away. It's like, okay, well, I know that by the end of this chapter, this kiss is going to have happened. They're going to have finally gotten together by the end of this chapter. I know this because it's just been spoiled in the first fucking sentence. Um, I don't like that vibe. Okay, that's my reader vibe. Now, where it becomes an issue in fandom is I have no business forcing that opinion on the writer. And telling them they're wrong. I can bitch about it all I want. I'm not going to call them out, but I can bitch about it and say I don't like this narrative style. That's my preference. But I have no business making that the writer's problem. Because that's their choice. They, you, nobody controls. You can't make people write the way you want or create the way you want or you can't make people do what you want. And as a writer, you can't control what people get out of or see in or find flaw in your work. They're going to get out of it what they get out of it. And fandom has a really hard time decoupling um, from in this relationship. Authors have a hard time letting go of, you know, critical opinions a lot of times, not always, but they have a really hard time letting go of it. I think in fandom more so than way more so than in professional works, uh, in original works. And in, 
readers have a really hard time letting go of what they don't like or what they perceive as wrong. And we've talked about the whole issue of readers, some readers whose only role is in fandom, really, their function, they feel like. Their only contribution they can give is to give critique and to correct. But beyond that type of person, I do think that there's a group of people who just want to help. They want to, in their mind, make the story better. They want to fix technical inaccuracies, whatever it is. And it becomes like a burning desire. Like it drives them crazy that this thing was wrong and that they need to point it out, they need to tell this author that this thing was wrong. And this is my opinion, and you don't have to share it, but no, you don't. You don't have to tell them. You need to learn to sit with that discomfort and let it be. And just let it go. And it's one of the things we have to do as adults is sit with discomfort. And yes, it is uncomfortable when I read things like the steady reassuring beat of the, a beep of the heart monitor, which there is no steady reassuring beep of heart monitors when you're in the hospital because if the heart monitor is beeping, it is because you have a problem and it is not steady or reassuring. So it drives me crazy. Yeah, it's a nightmare. I see it, all the, I see it all the time. I see it all the time in stories, and it drives me batshit insane because that is not the way that works. But I just have to sit and live with that. And I have one of two choices. Accept it, that it, that inaccuracy is there, and just enjoy the story around that, or close it and move on. Those are the options, unless, say unless, I am part of that writer's circle of some sort and that I have some sort of permission by which to interact with them on a this-is-a-mistake level. And you better be damn sure you're right about the level at which you're allowed to interact with somebody about that. So, anyway, that's my rant. Kira, how do you feel? (laughs) Look, you know... A lot of times the um, fans, uh, one of the most galling things I ever saw was, um, and I'm pretty sure it was directed at me, but I never said anything. There was somebody on Facebook that was correcting something based on her assumption of my story. Um, She made an assumption about a situation in my story and assumed that I was ignorant And didn't know what I was talking about. And that I had done something. um, And then she got on Facebook and corrected me. But then quickly pointed out at the bottom of her correction that she wasn't singling anybody out. Okay. When I was practically the only person who had posted something where that situation would be be in like six months. In the fandom that we share. So I know, I know her ass was talking to me. And I wanted to call her out because she was wrong. She made an assumption about something that I did in a story and misunderstood my narrative. And I'm like, I really want to call your ass out, but I'm going to walk away. I'm going to walk away. 
because it's not worth having an argument about. When you when you encounter someone who doesn't who hasn't comprehended your narrative in the way you wish them to, you just need to walk away because you can't make them interpret your intent the way you in, intended it. That was that was very awkward. Um, I have my intent as an author. I'm telling a story, and I have a narrative in my head, and this is what I this is what I believe um, my narrative means. But I can't control what the reader gets out of it. Yeah. I had a um, was it yesterday? I guess it was yesterday. Time is. I feel like I've been some sort of. I didn't realize it was Friday until like five o'clock this afternoon. I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, I was having a conversation with a like one of my few friends left from my live journal days, and um, she's been following Sentry, and um, we just were talking. Or some, I don't remember how Sentry even came up in this conversation, but um, she mentioned she mentioned something about the story, and I said that you know I only had one more. Um, chapter to go, and and she she congratulated me on the story. She said it was really good. Blah blah blah, and and then she said, I know you always are, you know like striving to push yourself, and this seemed like it was you know it was something along the lines of you really obviously pushed yourself in this. And then her conclusion about what I had pushed myself on was in a novel length crack fic. Um. And I kind of stopped and I went, huh? <laughs> and that is what she took away from the story, is that I, that it's crack. And I was like, I, I can't control that. I cannot control that that's what she sees. And I wanted to get, like, all up in that and figure out why she thought that and where that was coming from. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I would, I would gonna... ask her what her definition of crack was. Because you know I had this situation in the Facebook groups that I belong to where someone accused me of writing Harry Potter as a Mary Sue like it was a positive thing. And um, then I had to define what a Mary Sue was, and she was horrified because she'd been using the term wrong her entire fandom life. <laughs> and probably saying it blithely to people, oh, so what a great Mary Sue. It's like, uh, what? Because she thought it was her was wrong, authentic character. I was like, no, baby, no. <laughs> that, that, that's not what that means at all. <laughs> well, all I said to her about the whole, about it was that I certainly didn't intend it to be crack a crack fic. Um, and that if, you know, but if, it, you know, that's, if that's her experience of it. And, and she mentioned a couple of things of why her, like the Groot thing she felt was cracky. And she just started rattling off things she felt were cracky. And it basically was a lot of things that are that inherent. That Groot thing common. is like, what, six or seven sentences in the whole damn thing? Yeah. And since Groot exists in the MCU, I'm not sure how him being introduced as an element is crack. It's not like I pulled in the cue from Star Trek, you know? So, but and I didn't understand. A lot of the things she pointed out, she mentioned that she thought crack. Like I, said, I didn't get, I didn't really want to get into it with her about what crack is, but because I, I, I didn't want to like come off as like defensive about the way she interpreted the story, but it was just, 
you know, like the the Tony's humor, the banter of Strucker is crackish for some reason. Um, the the Groot thing, um, the whole superpower supercharged thing, that all seemed kind of cracky to her. Um, but isn't like, all of the Tony's um, talents coming from the actual character of Sentry? I mean, didn't you bring a lot of Sentry's powers into Tony's character? The original yeah, Sentry? in a different way. Yeah, I brought them in, in in a different way, so bringing them in through like an Asgardian heritage rather than yeah. So I use I use Sentry a lot as inspiration for the kind of abilities he would have, but kind of twisted everything a little bit and tried to make it like plausible where this would have come from. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, it, so it, it basically it kind of came down to she. I'm like I was like okay, so you basically consider. And the thing is, she doesn't read a lot of my. NCIS works because it's not a she's not a fandom she really followed me it's not one of her fandoms but MCU is a big fandom for her so I'm a little puzzled by that because all the elements except for the humor thing that she found cracky are are things that are canon elements of the MCU so I mean it's like does she inherently find Marvel cracky I don't know but this is a case of where I can't control what she's seeing um, and you know I, I mean, yes, there were parts that were intended to not, they were intended to be lighthearted because I've got two characters who deal with adversity through humor. So I think I'd be doing really poor characterization if it was just a big sob fest. So, but yeah, I mean, I guess she also would expect that in, in such serious circumstances that there wouldn't be the humor the, the remarks and stuff, but that's canon. That's Marvel canon. That's NCIS canon. So I don't know. Right. I don't. I don't know where she was with her interpretation, but she read that and she got cracked. And and that's fine. Maybe just the um, idea it, of Tony being in the Marvel universe was cracked to her. Maybe. It could be. It it, it like it's it's a little far. Anytime you fuse a um. A, a comic book universe with a contemporary crime drama, it's, it's it's not the easiest fit in the world. And that is like the suspension of disbelief you ask the reader to come to the table with, right? Is that mm-hmm. NCIS and Marvel exist in the same plane. Um, if they can't get get that far with their suspension of disbelief, the story's not going to work for them. Or maybe it will come off as crack. I don't know. Um but that's one of those things where it's not if you can't get past your suspension of disbelief over the basic premise, that's not the author's problem, right? Um, and you share, you telling them what's wrong with their story is not, that's, that's your issue, that you can't get past the suspension of disbelief. I have a hard time. Um, that lady who tried, or that person, I shouldn't call them lady. I have no idea what they were. I'm, I'm gendering people. That person who offered to um, beta uh, emergence, but told you to take out the dragons. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what? You have 10K left? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I wasn't supposed to do with that. She helped me. She basically everything that she wanted changed was the whole story. So I, I don't know why. I mean, I guess she felt like because there had been this beta thing that she put up a beta profile and I'd responded to it that she had to say yes. And then she wanted to tell me everything that needed to change. But she, it was just it was just crazy cakes. Um, so. I can't. You can't. But you can't control that, right? So if somebody. It, 
And I, I understand not everybody can get past some mashups. There are some mashups I can't get past. I really struggle with Supernatural and NCIS in the same universe. So um, because to me, if, if Supernatural canon exists as it is, and you fuse it with a contemporary crime drama, inherently Tony's less, less, and you keep all the canon of both shows intact, Tony is inherently less competent. So We're not noticing all the supernatural crap in the world? Yeah, they all are. Yeah, they're all bad cops, basically. So there are some fandoms that don't mesh well for me, and I get that. that But that's on me. I can't get my suspension of disbelief to that place. And because I can't, I don't pick it up. But it is not the fault of the person who chooses to write that that I can't get my suspension of disbelief there. People's suspension of disbelief does not go toward Tony in the Marvel Universe. So, but I will say, though, you should give it at least a try. Do you have any idea when people told me that Tony Bruce Banner was not going to work? That it worked, worked like gangbusters. Yes, it did. Yeah, I think you can put like any of the um, paranormal universes that they they match up much better as long as you adjust the canons where they don't fit well. But it's just you're coming to into a story with a basic suspension of disbelief, and if you can't get there, then it, just check out and move on. It is not the author's problem that you can't get there. And maybe maybe there is nothing plausible about what they've done. Maybe nobody could get past their suspension of disbelief. That's still not your lookout to fix that for them. It's not. It's not mine. It's nobody's. It's up to them to deal with that. It's up to them to seek the help that they need to be a better writer. Every once in a while, I run across a writer where I read a story of theirs, and it'll have some just really, like, big flaws in it that are totally fixable. But the things that cannot be taught are all there. The word craft, pacing, um, characterization, and it's just got some fundamental issues of just the basics that they don't have, that they haven't learned, right? And there's this part of me that, like, wants to go, oh, please let me help you. That is so intrusive. It doesn't matter that I feel that way. I have no right to go to them and say, I want to make you a better writer. <laughs> it's so arrogant. <laughs> it's so arrogant. Even though it's true, right? Um... Yeah. Oh, no. No, I was wrong. Oh, she's still there. Um, sorry, I was having a conversation in private, and and my chat room blew up. Hold on, uh, I logged out, so I was um, logging back in, and now it's reloading and telling me it can't reach the site. It's a damn shame when you kick, when you get kicked out of your own damn chat room. That is uh, That's probably what I get for being an asshole. It says you're there. My website punishing me. It thinks you're there, but I'm, but I'm not. <laughs> And so there, there has been. Well, Kira's trying to get back in. There has been the question like raised: um, 
what about technical inaccuracies? Can you point those out? Is it, and I mean, I'm not the fandom police. This is just like my opinion or Kira's opinion, Lady Elder's opinions. We're just giving opinions here. This is how, what we, from the writer's side, what we think of. And also from the reader's side, how I interact with other people. No, if they're not asking for that, don't do it. I mean, some authors explicitly ask, let me know if you see any errors. And if they say that, if they open the door to that, I got. I don't think they should personally. But if they have, and and you see an error, make sure it's a it's something worth talking about. Though, don't point out apostrophes and commas. That's just a waste of everybody's time. But you know, there is a, a story. That, there's a story in Stargate. It's one of my favorite favorite, favorite stories by one of my favorite writers um, in Stargate. Um, and uh, there is a there is a paragraph near the end of the fic where two characters have dialogue in the same paragraph. Drives me bug nuts. Have I ever said a word to her? No. Will I ever? No. But this is not important. And it would be ridiculous because when I read it, that fic was already seven years old. For me to point out what is basically a failure to insert a paragraph a paragraph break on her HTML page from six years ago. Actually, it was like 12 years ago now because the first time I read it was about six years ago. So that, that would be absolutely ridiculous and no one cares. It still drives me nuts though. Every time I see it, I'm like, God damn it. If I'll tell you, if if I there is there is nobody I read, and I'm sure you all are this way too, that I don't see their typos. I see it, I put it aside. Now there gets to be a point where all I'm seeing are typos, and that's when it's time to close the web browser, (laughs) because I am. A couple of things can happen with error-ridden work. One is that it, it it starts to get hard to read, and the other is that I stop. I will eventually stop seeing the errors, and that's a problem because I can't afford to start dismissing um, mentally dismissing errors. So if there's so many that I'm stopping seeing them, I'm I'm basically acclimating. To, to bad and I, I can't do that um, so but like let's, let's just scale I mean it's based upon how you know somebody right so like if I was reading a story Kira just, just put up not something I read like 10 years ago and she had let's say she had um, lead instead of um, lead okay because um, it sucks that L-E-A-D is pronounced both ways, but it's not always the right word in the past tense. I wouldn't say anything because it doesn't matter. But if she had the word fishing and she meant fisting, I would send her a little note. Why? <laughs> because if she, bothered, if, if she has bothered to write a fisting scene, I don't think she wants to turn it into a fishing scene. <laughs> so right? I would tell her. Why? But the thing is, I know Kira well enough to know that she would care about that mistake. Let me tell you the worst mistake that ever happened in Ties That Bind. My 
word processing program replace Word, Microsoft Word. I won't blame them. Just blame Microsoft Word. Um, I I had a typo in the middle of caned. I'd put a an I maybe or an S with the A. You know, it was like a finger slip. It had it had to be an S. Anyway, for some reason. I agreed to autocorrect everything, and by the time it got to the website, caned had become canned in, like, 25 places. And I was like, oh, oh, God. And the worst part is, it's because I'm so militant about my readers pointing out shit to me that I don't want to bother to fix. No one said anything. I was like, dude, the... There is a line. <laughs> if you ever see me using the word canned for cane, please point it out. Because that was ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, all over. No, I, it was like a month after it had been posted. I was like, we saw the bitch. <laughs> yeah. That was ridiculous. Well, when, it, when a type of changes <laughs> the, the whole meaning of something, like fishing and fisting, um, that is that can be like such a some not. I'm not saying run out and and give this advice to the unsolicited. But if you know someone well enough to know what kind of typos would bother them, most authors would be really bothered by this kind of typo. But you need to know them well enough to know which kinds of typos they are. So like, there was a typo in Emergence that. And the reason I came up with the fishing fisting example is because I had something similar in emergence. It was actually slightly worse. Um, I caught it before publication. I caught it, and I caught it because it was actually so traumatic for me that it's on my editing list in the event that I ever write a shapeshifter story. It's because in a couple of places, they weren't shifting. They were shitting. (laughs) 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 I just... I saw that. I was like, oh, oh. And, like, my heart started beating faster. <laughs> like, oh, my God. That's hilarious. I think in one case, like, Gibbs was telling Tony to just go ahead and shit <laughs> instead of shift. <laughs> like, oh. That just changes the whole thing. <laughs> I, I would know, hope. I with desert and dessert time. I'm like, no. <laughs> I'll be over there no. on Google. <laughs> I mean, if we well, say over that. It doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't the help next time you got the emergent, every time you see the word shifting, you're going to think of shitting. <laughs> yes. Yes. But it, you're welcome. That typo, and I would, I would hope that anybody... Anybody even in my extended circle, and here's my extended circle, it's like you rough trade writers, <laughs> would point out <laughs> that kind of typo to me. I'd be like, hey, Chili, did you know that Tony's shitting on page 24? I'd be like, no, I did not, but thank you. I'll go fix that right now. <laughs> <laughs> immediately. I'll fix that immediately. But if you're, you're going to send me that I forgot an apostrophe at the end of Gibbs in one instance, I'm likely more likely to like punch you. Yeah. Um, that's just, I'm not, I, I pick these out as real examples because that happened. Someone bothered to write me an email to tell me that I was missing an apostrophe. Uh, and the thing is, 
because I had bigger typos in that 210,000 words and that one missing apostrophe, but that's the one that they felt like they needed to inform me about. That the possessive yeah, would have, a, have an apostrophe at the end. Missing apostrophes, um, commas, telling me I shouldn't use a semicolon. Fuck you. <laughs> I love the semicolon. You leave my semicolon. You leave my fucking semicolon alone. <laughs> I want to have a baby. <laughs> I don't know what a semicolon baby would look like, but I'm gonna have there you it. go. <laughs> but yeah, you know. So, but but you honestly, you, you can't control what your reader gets out of your content. Um. The reader can't control and often doesn't know the author's intent. And this is one reason why I really do not believe a reader who's coming into your work on your website should be giving you constructive feedback or critique um, because they don't know your intent. They don't know your goals for the work. They have zero indication of what your plot is if you're posting a work in progress they literally have no business giving you advice on the content of your story because they don't know what your goals are as a writer they're not qualified to help you with your story unless you're also posting the everything you intend to do with your story and seeking feedback on that which would be kind of ridiculous but whatever you know what I mean how can somebody help you do something if they don't know what you want to do? <laughs> Edie, mm-hmm. Edie, go sit yeah, in exactly. the corner. You can sit in the entertaining corner, but you're going into the corner. I can't even. That's a good giggle. <laughs> but now, now you all are going to have this. Anybody's heard this? Going to have this? Is that 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 typo was there? And I was massively traumatized by it. Um, Wait, was this typo on Rough Trade? Yes. (laughs) Aren't you glad it's on the archive site? (laughs) Oh, immensely. But I also had my rough draft up forever, right? I had my rough draft. I didn't notice this problem until I went to go do my edit. And I, when I pulled it down, it, but it had been up there for, what, like eight or nine months? Uh, That's the case of people seeing what their brain thinks they should see. Yes, because I, I, was, I was astonished with the number of things, the number of pe- people writing me. I kept telling you, know, I kept, at the top of every page, it said this is a rough draft. So I think for the most part, people left it alone. But um, some people still wrote me about about problems and errors that they saw, but they all tended to be grammar-focused, right? And, and the big typos, let me even mention them. And there were a lot of big typos because I have, you know, sometimes my, my, you know, your fingers have rhythms about what words you type in succession. And when you're going fast, you can have completely the wrong word be put in. You know what yeah. you're typing, but the words, you're, you're, you're not in the your typical mode for word order. And when you, you're, if your fingers are used to a certain thing, that's the thing sometimes that would come out. So I have a thing because um, I actually write faster in my brain than I, that I can write physically. And so sometimes. Dropped. Yeah. 
missing words are the biggest problem in my rough draft. They're just, they're just not there. It's like, oh, what does this mean? Oh, there's a word missing, or two, or four. Uh, and what did I mean to say? Because sometimes I don't yeah. know. I'll be making shit up. Oh, well, okay, maybe, maybe this is what I meant to say. This is what I mean to say now. <laughs> yeah, dropping articles particularly is a bad problem for me. I'm, I'm getting a little bit better about it, but another one is like well, – Anytime I'm using the article and, it's more likely I'll type and. Um, and it, that changes the meaning of things slightly. But, I mean, I don't need anybody pointing those things out to me. But so the thing that people seem to kind of have like a little bit of, like, but should I or shouldn't I, is like gross technical inaccuracies. Like um, like, like the heart rate mon- the heart monitor thing that I mentioned earlier, which is I – Unfortunately, I have been in the hospital many times. The heart monitor being audible is always a bad thing. So, um, it means she's about to get real fucked up. Yeah, my mom was on oxygen after her last surgery, and every time her oxygen would get low, it would start to beep, and it would freak me the fuck out. And most of the time, it was because she rolled over on the hose. Or she pulled it out of her nostril or something, and um, her little finger monitor wasn't on right. And every time it happened, I tripped. That woman. I'm yeah, surprised she didn't give freaky. me a stroke. Well, I, um, I, uh, <laughs> one of the times I was in the hospital, I was having a really hard time, hard time with my sinuses. Um, and um, I kept taking my mask, my oxygen off, the mask, the nasal cannula off. And I would think I was okay, but I'm not, like, staring at the monitor, right? And then my O2 sats would drop below 80%, and the alarm would start going off. And I'd be Yeah, you're not for, okay. Yeah, I'd be fumbling for the oxygen to get it back on, and the nurse would be running in because I'm, you know, I've had open-heart surgery, so they're a little bit worried about how I'm breathing and stuff. <laughs> and she's like, why aren't you wearing your mat, your oxygen? And I was like, I, I needed to take it off for a few minutes. And, and finally I started getting nosebleeds. And they t- they took my discomfort that I'd been bitching about for two days a little bit more seriously, because you know I, my nose started bleeding all the time, and um, they put me on a mask instead so that I was getting the oxygen without you know. But my nose started to hurt, and I would take it off, and then the alarm would go off. And yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It's never good when alarms are when you're hearing audible things from from equipment beeps and stuff it's it's not a good thing so but i mean that is a that's a, a, a medical inaccuracy okay it is not a typo it is just an inaccuracy and so the question people have is can i point out inaccuracies well not with me you can't not unless you're one of the people i have invited to do that um for me, by the time I've posted something, I'm done. I'm I'm moving on. I'm I'm going somewhere else. I don't really want to go back and edit all the copies of my work because if you tell me something like that, I'm going to, have to go edit the one on my site and I'm going to, have to edit the copies. I'll probably edit all three or four drafts that I've got, including the betas, because I can't. I won't even be able to help myself because I have OCD, and it's all because you couldn't be satisfied with the fact that um I made the light the wrong color on top of a cop car in Oregon or something. I don't know. I'm making shit up. I'm just saying. Yeah. And this happened to me once. Somebody pointed out a technical inaccuracy to me once that drove me into the spiral where I was correcting everything and it, I wasted hours and hours. I mean, all my writing time for that day was spent on this one word. And it was not 
it was not like a life altering like you know it was not a scene altering it was just a case of where anybody who would who happened to be in that sphere would know that it was inaccurate but literally nobody else would so we're talking like 99.95% of the population would not know that what i had put was not accurate um but somebody felt they needed to tell me because they felt like it, it was you know, it was an inaccuracy. So, and I've also had people point out procedural inaccuracies in my story. Now that I can blow off really easily; it makes me laugh. And I said, um, I write at the canon level of scientific accuracy. If you don't like it, why are you watching the show? How do you get through an episode? Right. So there being procedural inaccuracies in to a degree. I mean there's some degree of procedure there's some procedural inaccuracies that I would hope that I would I do a lot of research about law enforcement, okay? And sometimes I know I'm being inaccurate because if I were being accurate I couldn't use canon. <laughs> so it's like, mm-hmm. well um I'm gonna make it exactly my I favorite can. One of my favorite scenes in SG-1 is that SG-1 has gone to the set of Wormhole Extreme, and the actress that plays the Sam Carter role is bitching about the script that she's got, and she turns to one of the other actors, and she says, if I'm not, if I'm in a different phase, and I can walk through walls, why am I not falling through the fucking floor, or the effing floor, or whatever she says, and... and <laughs> Because there's an episode where Daniel Jackson is face out, and he can walk through walls, but he never falls through the floor. And so it was it was them, you know, laughing at themselves. It was very funny. It was very funny. Was that Crystal Skull? That's the one where he's phased out, but the episode where they're yeah. making fun of that is, is later on in the series. And then there's another one where um, in Continuum, I think, um, the alternate version of Carter says that soul-cringing line about her reproductive organs being on the inside instead of the outside. This is oh god, no, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, yeah, it was. It was really stupid. <laughs> and the actress didn't want to say it, but they wouldn't let her take it out of the script because she said that it just isn't something that a woman would say. And she's right. That isn't something that I would I can imagine saying to a superior officer and I, I that's just not something that would come out of a woman's mouth. That's totally a man thing to say. It, it's just Yeah. But if you're seeking military accuracy or law enforcement accuracy or scientific accuracy based upon popular TV shows, the fan fiction based on popular TV shows, you are barking up the wrong tree. Because the canon sets the level of inaccuracy, typically. Not the author. So I, I'm hard-pressed to come up with an, an inaccuracy that, you know, that somebody should be pointing out to somebody. Should One of the be. more interesting things um, is that I uh, one of the more interesting stories that I ever read um, is where Rodney and John end up in the Star Trek universe. And it's called Where'd All the uh, Where'd All the Physics Go? Because science doesn't work the same way in Star Trek. And Rodney's furious. 
much more like I can think of the like for instance the the wormhole situation in Farscape and the wormhole situation in Stargate are two entirely different animals. And the wormhole situation in Star Trek works the same way the wormhole situation does in Farscape in that that they're two directional. Whereas in Stargate wormholes are one directional. They're sort of one direction. I mean, I don't is it ever explained as far well as matter why, concerns? Yeah, matter is one way, but is it ever explained well why communication is two way? Nope. Pothole, but whatever. Uh, but we go with it, right? <laughs> we use that. It, we, we use that because they never address it in the canon, so we just go with it, even though it doesn't make any sense. But I think a wormhole is one directional um, as a plot device. I think it's merely a plot device. Yeah. My interpretation of the Asgard and what that other, were those people at the beginning, those really powerful people, I don't know the name. They're in the first season, the, the, the Nox. In the woods with, yeah, the Nox. I think they use the Stargate as more, not to travel through. Going the wrong way, I always interpret it as they use the open wormhole as like a like a target, right? It's like okay, well, we're not going to travel through the wormhole, but we can tell where it's going, so we're going to go to the other end using whatever means of travel they have. So, I don't know. In my head, sometimes I kind of try to make. And there's some things in Stargate I've never been able to come up with an explanation for. Like the, like, um, what's his face? Um, Aiden Ford being able to pilot that jumper at the end of season one. Right. I, I can't he come couldn't up with an explanation even for that. He doesn't have the genes, so he couldn't even activate the autopilot. Right. So which I've heard he just flies instead in some of the, um, uh, but no, that's impossible because the autopilot would require the gene. If it, it and there's some things I just can't I can't figure out. And actually, those things that make that little sense to me are things I will often, if I'm going to be writing around them, will try to find a way to correct. Um, you know, at least lampshade it, like have John go. Somebody figure out how he was able to get pilot that thing. He doesn't have the damn gene. At least acknowledge the inconsistency. But, you know, I mean, I see, I read gross inaccuracies all the time. I'm like, that's not the way law enforcement works. That's not the way the military works. That's not the way a gun works. Um, that's not the way women <laughs> work. Um, but I don't say anything. Because I have not been invited to do so. And even if I had been invited to do so, I personally would not say anything. Unless I have that relationship with somebody where they have asked for my help. Because it's just, I don't know. Writing is a very intimate process. And when you intrude on another writer with your wants and desires and... um, irritations, whatever it may be, you are intruding on 
you're, it is an intrusive. It, it's a level of intrusion um, that can be damaging. We, we see authors all the time um, leave fandom because they can't handle the pressure of their readers, um, and this is why. Um, when you spend your time creating something and you put all your effort into it and you think you've done something really good and you put it online and all you get is, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, and um, or kudos and no comments and then you don't know. And it's just – it's. It can be very disheartening, especially if you don't have a very hardy personality to begin with. And a lot of writers do suffer with crippling issues as far as self-esteem goes. Oh, especially a lot of young fandom writers. Um, young being new, new to writing, not necessarily young in age. Um And thank you for sharing your story. You don't have to. Somebody told me once they said that they hesitate with stories that have a lot of problems in them with leaving feedback. Well, you don't have to leave feedback. But if you got all the way to the end, you could say, thank you for sharing this. You know, you don't have to say, I loved it. You don't have to say that. You could just say, thank you. There is no need to lie. <laughs> um, if there's one, if there's one thing that kept you reading through the story, <laughs> the one thing that pulled you along, you could say, "I really enjoyed this aspect of, you know, I really enjoyed your portrayal of Tony, or I really enjoyed whatever." Just, just, you, but you could just say, "Thank you, thank you is sufficient." Um, you don't have to say anything at all, but if you're going to, I mean, I just, it's, it, it's weird. I hear people have this massive um, comment anxiety, like. The, Leaving comments it causes a massive anxiety, um, and some people are just—they're like—they're like the comment whisperer. I mean, they will—they will tell you everything they loved. Somehow remember it. Um, they'll they give you really notes. positive. Yeah, they'll that really positive. Give you really positive encouragement. They'll—they'll they'll tell you, you know, they'll tell you the little little Easter eggs they spotted. Um, you know, some people just are just really geared that way when they read, and some people are not, and it is not a competition. And yes, the you know, the wrong kind of comment can be demoralizing. This is very true. But thank you, I appreciate you sharing this with everybody. It's never demoralizing. Now there yeah. are some entitled assholes out there who are just being assholes who feel like that they deserve a tome. Um. But that is not your problem. That is not their insecurity. You know, that is them being an idiot. Um, well, thank you, Willow. When you're on AO3 and you give somebody thank you for, for posting this and they respond back with bullshit, delete your comment. Just delete your comment and move on because they don't actually deserve it. They're an entitled idiot and you know, some authors are not writers. Okay, they are putting something out. They're they're vomiting words on onto Ao3. If they don't get enough attention, they're going to throw a tantrum. 
if you if you encounter that situation, walk away from it. This is not a rear writer thing. This is just, you know, there are entitled idiots on both sides of the fence. And my advice to people on either side is to walk away from it. You can't do anything about entitled idiots. Demet, I just, I just, I just thought of the universe. I don't even. I mean, it is one thing to have your work stolen and plagiarized. It is another for them to report your ass for plagiarism. Like that asshole on AO3, who's still up, by the way. Um, and I asked for an update. I haven't gotten a response. Um, of course, they haven't updated their story again recently either. And they haven't approved any of my comments. I wouldn't expect them to. Because <laughs> I haven't been nice. I can't believe AO3 isn't doing anything. I mean, they have the same tools for looking at plagiarism as anybody else does, and it's quite obvious. And it isn't just me. It is like six other authors. It's not just me. Um, and so, you know... I'm actually pissed on behalf of the other authors involved because I do feel like um, time as it is because it's me. Is that is it, is it, is, it, is that like a victim persecution complex or something? I don't know. Um, is that arrogant to assume that? Because I've seen plagiarism things go up and then like be gone in 24 hours, and yet I reported this in October. Did the fic end up staying on um, AO3? Was that, so, Ava, was that a, uh, an AO3? Was that on AO3 where you had that happen? Damn. Is their story it still up? Like it. Son of a bitch. Jesus. And that was supposed to be the one thing AO3 was not going to tolerate was plagiarism. What the hell? I'm so mad. I am too. Do you plagiarize your whole story? Well, you can't report the story that's plagiarized me anymore because it's exceeded the number of times that it can be reported for plagiarism. And so has the author's profile, and yet AO3 has still done nothing about them. (laughs) 
Well, there was that one that for the joy who got she was in the Hobbit fandom and she got plagiarized, and um, the readers of the other fic got mad at her for complaining about the plagiarism. Did that? Did the plagiarized fic? Did the plagiar? Did the cop? No. How how would you phrase that? Hmm. Oh, she did even admitted that, to plagiarizing. Yeah, but did she ever take that, that fic down? Though. The plagiarized. Did she ever? Did she ever take her, you know, evil fic down? For the joy left Ao3 over it. I know she did, but is 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 the fic that was stolen from her still up? Yes. The other author case they were down too. No, wow. she never did. I don't even think that she reported it. I just think she just left because the fandom burned her. But the thing is, is that author's stories fell apart because she had no, she could for the joy stopped updating. She couldn't update her fic either. Yeah, she had nothing to go off of. She had no template anymore. The thing is, I mean, people act like, you know, if they don't take the whole work, that it's not plagiarism. But that's not true. You only have to take – that's why plagiarism checkers look at significant passages, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is what was called out in that work in Curious case was significant passages. In one case, it could have – I mean, like, it, it was like I didn't even need to go check which story was from. Oh, that's from the birth of Serpent King. Because it couldn't have been more obvious. And then that bitch right. ass was in her comments say, oh, I've never read her work. Fuck you. Fuck you, liar. Of course you read my work, you cunt. I'm a little mad. But AO3 doesn't obviously give a shit about plagiarism. Because what they wrote me after is that, unfortunately, that without proof, they couldn't do anything. So I provide them proof, I get nothing back. That was a month ago. Without proof. Yeah, apparently I, you know, I had to provide the original content and then point out the content that that was that was plagiarized. So I sent them the PDF that um, I had already created, um, and no response whatsoever. Well, okay. So basically, AO3 is like if they, if it's not two stories on AO3 where they can verify the posting dates, they're going to dismiss it as not provable? I, I mean, what are they saying? So Avis happened on AO3. Started for the joy. Yeah. Two different well, AO3 but you said, you know, we, we don't We don't know that for the joy actually reported it, though. No. I know she specifically didn't want a bloodbath. Um, but I'm the way other past author... not wanting a bloodbath. Oh, yeah. Well, but this author is locked I... down. But what was... In the oh, case yeah. Before the joy, she, she, didn't, she didn't want um, a big fight, right? 
the other author, the plagiarizing author, wanted the fight, which I thought was utterly bizarre. Was that her? It was her fans going out and attacking, you know, for the joy for being upset about this dupl- duplication of her work. Um, and they took great delight in pointing out all the ways in which the stories were different. Um, but there was enough that was exactly the same that it was it's plagiarism. It's not inspiration at that point. You can't use someone's exact words and mirror their plot exactly and call it inspiration. If you start every chapter the same and you go a different direction with it, that's not inspiration. That You're still stealing from them. Um, Well, AO3 should be able to tell if something was backdated. I mean, they should be able to look at that and tell. But the thing is, Kira's work is off-site. Um, still, not all of the other authors' off, others' works were off-site. So some of them were on AO3. Some of them were on fanfiction.net. Um, you can't backdate on fanfiction.net. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that even if I could backdate the post, on Birth of the Serpent King. Birth of the Serpent King has been in the Harry Potter fandom. Fuck if I know, like, what, eight years? Long time. And the other author's work is a fucking year old. Now, plagiarism is one of those things is, is like, people do, I mean, I don't really have a, a, if somebody's plagiarizing, I don't really have an opinion about how people handle that, but I would prefer to handle it, but what people do there is is their business. That's not, that's not pointing out an inaccuracy to somebody, right? Um, although, it is my opinion that if you suspect plagiarism or you know, a significant idea theft, um, and you need to really be sure you understand what, I, what, what, it, what it is if somebody's lifting somebody else's ideas, when that's a problem, because just because two things seem similar doesn't mean they necessarily are. Where there's any creative um, encroachment going on, two very similar things can occur. Almost sometimes, almost identical things can occur organically, completely separately. But you can usually tell if someone's completely you know, like if, if somebody's like story structure is the same and and there's you know and, and their plot points are the same. Well, that's that's somebody's lifted somebody's plagiarized their idea. So, um, if you encounter that, I think the better thing to do is to talk to the author first that you suspect of plagiarized. Uh, suspect has been plagiarized. Go to Kira. Go to whomever you think has had their work lifted. See if they know about it. Um, give them information, and then see what they have to say, as opposed to just going on the war path when you may not necessarily be informed about what's going on. So I just think it's always best to start with the author you think has been. I tried that once, though. <laughs> Went to the author. I, I did careful research to see if I could determine which of the three or four authors had been the one ripped off who had this idea earliest? And the author got so mad. And uh, my conclusion by the end of it was that they were all the same author posting the same basic concept under different names. Um, <laughs> that was the conclusion I came to. Because um, 
my research at first had nothing to do with the demographics of the author posting. Um, my research was into um, who had posted the story first, who had the very first instance of this this basic plot. Um, and then I wrote them and said, I think that some people have lifted your idea. And they were enraged and that there was nothing similar about these ideas. And they proceeded to point out to me all the ways in which these stories were not the same. And these were long stories. And they were responded within a couple of hours. They couldn't have read them all. And yet they knew the ways, <laughs> in the ways that all of these stories were different. They all signed up on fanfiction.net in the same month. All these author accounts were created in the same month on fanfiction.net. They all have the same country, which is a much smaller country than the United States. Um, and they just there's lots of little unique turns of phrase that were very specific to very similar, and, and that's why I thought, aside from the whole plot issue being mirrored across multiple authors. And so after I got this big bunch of hostility back, these stories were not plagiarized. They were nothing like her story. And how could I think that? And here's all the ways they were different. I was like, oh, all of these authors are you. Well, okay, now I get it. <laughs> You're not happy with just getting feedback on the story once. You need feedback on the story four or five times. And you're pretending that you're different people. I got it. I got it. No problem. So I posted Birth of the Serpent King in 2011. It was a while ago. Yeah. I mean, there are so some was, segments of the Harry Potter Harry Potter fandom that are not going to have read Birth of the Serpent King or be aware of it if they're not, you know, if they only read, like, Jen or Het or if they only read on, like, fanfiction.net. But for the most part, most slash readers... Um, I've read, or at least aware of Birth of the Serpent King. I have not ever talked to anybody in the Harry Potter fandom that reads Slash that doesn't know the story, doesn't know it exists. So, even though it's on a private site, it is. Um, honestly, I do wonder if she would have um, stolen more if she wasn't having to type it out. If she could just copy and paste it. <laughs> Maybe. Because she does, she has stolen the most from me, but she has stolen from five or, I think it's six, six authors. Yeah. But it'll be eight years in January that Birth of the Serpent, Birth of the King, Birth of the Serpent King was posted. Um, but she's also taken elements from War Mages. So it's really insulting for her to get on her damn comment section and say she's never read me. Yeah, because somebody really? confronted her. Somebody confronted her very politely, probably the same person who wrote Kira about it. But somebody confronted her very politely. You know, this scene is very similar to *Frozen um, King* or *Warm Ages*. You know, by Kira Marcos, very similar. Uh, and she's like, "Oh, I, I don't know who she is. I haven't read her work. My inspiration was such and such TV show. Maybe she saw it too." Oh, right. Except it's literally word for fucking word, my scene. Yeah. It was just... And that's... That is a whole different... Plagiarism is a whole different case about um, 
talking to an author about problem with their story because it's not a problem with their story. It's the fact that it exists under their name. That's the issue. Um, but still, I think getting into a, 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 a battle royale with another writer's fans never goes well. It, historically, throughout fandom, you can see exa- fan lore has even documented examples of fan, war, fan fandom wars. It doesn't it doesn't work. But, but you know, supporting your author is one thing, but getting into it with another author's fan base, it's just it's just find a better hobby. <laughs> it, it it is enraging, and you kind of want to get it out of your system, but it it doesn't serve anybody when the fans just go after each other like that. I mean, look at what happened, to to use a real-world example. Um, We talked a little bit about the thing with Nora Roberts a couple weeks ago, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. A a new writer, who I think writes YA. I want to say YA, but it Mm might have been a new adult. I think so, yes. YA, yeah. Um, Basically made an accusation on Twitter that um, that Nora Roberts had, had stolen her title, that she, you know, basically, it was basically... A, she accused her about plagiarism. Plagiarism yeah. of her title. At plagiarizing her title, right, was what she said. And that um, it was like, basically, her implication was that Nora was a, was a dried-up writer who needed to, who needed to lift... Um, Ideas from new new talent to boost her sales was the was basically what she said. Here's where it went bad. That was bad enough. She could have gone to Nora's publisher. She could have reached out to Nora's agent. She didn't. She went to Twitter. And when they had the same then, publisher, yeah, that really bad juju. Um, but what happened is this: this writers fans went after Nora Roberts. Knowing not, I mean, I have to think they must be ignorant idiots, all of them. I mean, I just kind of dismissed them all as being fools because they all went out and started calling Nora Roberts' name and attacking her in whatever space they could find her on and posting horrible things about her when they knew nothing about her. And Nora Roberts was taking, she wrote a big, she wrote a big blog post about this. She was taking the high road for a long time until the attacks would not stop because they reached out to this, the publisher, they reached out to this author and was like, are you out of your mind? Nora's book was actually already submitted to the publisher with that title before this other author's book was published. So there's no way that there was any inspiration. But aside, even if there was, you can't copyright a title. But that aside, Nora's book actually existed first. Her book titled was existed first, the publisher, and the publisher confirmed that. So they reached out. The author did nothing. She did nothing to stop the shitstorm that she had unleashed. She acknowledged privately that she was wrong, but she did nothing publicly to stop the shitstorm that she had unleashed on Nora Roberts. And Nora Roberts still was being gracious about the whole thing when she posted about how she was just so done, but she never called the author out by name. Now, there are plenty of other places you could find out who did this because there were articles written about the whole thing and how what a mess it was. But the thing was is that the, the reason why it got to the point of pissing Nora Roberts off, you know, beyond letting her agent and her publisher handle it, 
was because of these fans, these rabid fans that this woman went on the attack and went after her so viciously. And that's just, you see that kind of behavior in fandom all the time. And it's just, if you're going to go, if you're going to do something like that, be informed. <laughs> know what you're Know what you're yelling about before you go yell and make sure that you don't want to be part of a, an angry mob like that. It's just it's not good for you or anybody in fandom for that kind of thing to happen. Anyway, ultimately this author put a retraction up on Twitter um, saying that, you know, basically sort of, it, I thought the apology was half-assed personally, but she still, in my opinion, did not do anywhere near what she could have done to try to, like, call it off. She didn't tell her fans to stop. You know, this is unwarranted behavior. She just kind of was like, oh, my bad. Um, I found out that, that this existed already and that, that she didn't take my title. It's not your title, baby. It's, it's just, it's a title. Anyway, so, but you can, on, fan more loves to document these kind of fandom wars, and they just don't serve anybody. And what winds up happening usually is that the person who is the better person winds up walking away because they realize it's just not worth it. I don't know who, I don't know how arrogant you got to be to accuse Nora Roberts. Of trying to ride your tails. That is a level of arrogance that, that stuns the fuck out of me. I don't even know what to do with that. That no is idea. someone who is, so, who is so mightily impressed with themselves. Um, that's a lot of ego coming into, uh, for, for a first time author. And she was successful. She was successful with her first book. That is so rare that someone is successful right out of the gate. And instead of being humbled by that and being appreciated and being grateful that she got the opportunity that many people don't, and yes, it was based on her talent, but there are a lot of talented writers that just never catch the market right, never get the audience right, never get the right editor, they never get seen in the right way. So she, there, there's a lot of things that have to line up for her to be where she was as a first-time author. And instead of, of treating that as the precious thing that it was, she came rolling into Twitter with a lot of arrogance and went after an industry icon. Is she crazy? I mean, that is the next level entitlement. She has leveled up. I am impressed. <laughs> I'm more appalled than impressed, but I get your meaning. <laughs> I'm like, what? You, you can't. Number one, you cannot. You literally cannot plagiarize a title. Um, you'll never see Harry Potter and something on somebody's book that doesn't belong to J.K. Rowling. Not because she's copyrighted that, but because um, she has a trademark. Um, and uh, because of the uh, of the franchise of the books and the movies, that that is a trademark situation, um, not a copyright situation. Like that asshole who tried to trademark cocky. Yeah, 
Because she, she still, even though she was going after everybody who had cocky in their title, it actually, if you read the her, the way her trademark was, it was basic, it was series titles, not book titles. Um, mm-hmm. The is cocky, cocky romance, cocker brothers, and actually, the, the, it was considered a, a every by almost everybody except her and her her crazy lawyers to be pushing the laws of copyright and trademark way too far that they gave her a trademark yeah, on those words. It was. But that still was not on book titles, even though Amazon chose to take it out on book titles. It was on series titles was the way that the trademark was awarded. And and it was the the book title piece of it, the service mark was about the font and stuff, which was hysterical part about that was it was a non trademarkable font. But they still awarded <laughs> it anyway. Um, yeah. And the thing is, the reason why the creator of the font wasn't going to pursue it was because it's one of those things where it costs so much money to pursue it that it just wasn't worth it. But it was being pursued other ways legally, so he just let it go. Um, but anyway, that's a very different situation. That, but I mean, That's why when you search, sometimes if you search for a fairly generic title, especially in um, – the reason why there's title generators for romance novels is because there's a, there's a theme in how they're often titled. And there are probably sometimes, in some cases, dozens of books with almost the exact same title. And in the case of this book, they actually, people were Googling and found other books that existed before either of these books, like going way back, that were titled this. Way back. So even, even if she had, in fact, Honestly, the title itself isn't particularly original. Or no, even honestly pretty... engaging. Uh, it's not a blood and bone. Really? That's it pretty... just not. I thought... It is what it is, but I mean, you know, Nora's book will sell because it's got Nora Roberts on the cover. <laughs> I'm sure her yeah. author name is actually bigger than the title. Because Nora sells the books. The title is just an incident. But it's just, it was such a strange, it, to me, it's such a strange mentality that people would go into situations like that and encourage their fans to start a war. And, and that's what she did. She encouraged her fans to start a war with Nora Roberts. Uh, oh. I mean, to me, I, I find that stunning. Um, so, yeah. So just don't, just don't. I mean, I've had I've had some entitled idiots come on my site, and it whether and this happened actually more on Ao3 than it happened on my site, but it's happened on my site a couple of times, um, and people will get into it. People who treat me badly, and I appreciate the defense, but I monitor it, and when it starts getting to be a little bit too much, I start I just delete the whole thread because I just didn't, it's not going to happen. It's one thing for like one person to come in and say, "Whoa, you're way out of line." It's another thing for fifty people to come in and tell that person they're out of line. Because then it starts looking like I got a mob or something. I don't know. It feels very uncomfortable to me. So if someone's out of line and someone says, hey, you're out of line, fine. But when it starts to get bigger than that, I'll go ahead and delete it. That's, but that's just me. But, you know, this whole thing is our, my opinion, Kira's opinion, is don't don't participate in fandom wars. It doesn't help anybody. It can be very stressful. <laughs> and why go out of your way to look for things to make you mad? I don't need things to make me mad.
Okay. Um, yeah, but in terms of similar ideas, there was, I don't remember what we were talking about one night. We were talking about an idea for our, we were talking, announce, maybe we were announcing a rough trade or something. I don't really remember exactly what the context was. But we talked about something on the podcast. And about five or six minutes apart, I got instant messages from two different people who had not talked to each other with basically the same plot idea. <laughs> same, two, same two fandoms for the challenge. I go, what do you think of this idea? And I was like, oh. And then five minutes later, I was like, oh, wow. You're both thought exactly the same way about this challenge. And it was really strange. Um, but it was the, it was like to me the most startling evidence that, that, that when you get into this creative space and you're talking about, you know, what you can do with an idea or you're talking about challenge parameters or something and people who are into the same to fandom could come up with the exact same idea. And they did. And they both communicated it to me <laughs> very quickly. And I was like, huh. So, and, you know, and I, I, and I actually told them both, somebody else has this exact same idea. Um, you just need to be aware that you both came for the same time. So just don't be. I'm not giving names, but just if you know if you get to if you get to challenge and two people are writing this idea, don't be upset. You are you know great minds and all that crap. Because sometimes people just think of the same thing. I feel like I lost the plot somewhere. I did. <laughs> we um you know I have had people uh. Uh, contact me and say, oh, they made Harry Potter a dragon. Um, I think they're plagiarizing you. That's not plagiarism. Um, you can't plagiarize an idea. You can't even copyright an idea. Um, if you could copyright an idea, we would never would have gotten Harry Potter because it wasn't like Harry Potter was the first kid to ever go to magical school. No. She just did it, you know, big, better, best, or whatever. And there's probably some people out there who are who are stewing in some resentment over the fact that they've written a less successful, um, and and that, they, and that hers is the one that that went crazy, right? Um, that's just the way the world works. Sometimes the world, you know. I haven't necessarily read a bunch of kids go to magical school stories, but um, um, but sometimes it's just it's just the way. I mean, you told us that story about the lady with the seal story that went nowhere, and after Seal Team Six got Os- um, Osama bin Laden, that took off because there was nothing Boom. in that void. Um, but anybody who had been in in the market already did was done great at that moment. Anybody who was in the pipeline would have gotten picked up like that. But maybe five boom, years later boom. was not the right time. Maybe twenty years ago was not the right time. So you never know what what timing comes together to make something take off. That's just the way it is.
I would love some cheesecake right now. Me too. That was like a minion Easter egg in, in the century. The whole um, it was his patriotic duty to eat as much cheesecake as possible. As possible. <laughs> and damn him with his super soldier metabolism, he can get away with it. I know that is actually the worst thing about his character. I know, awful, right? Is that he hasn't gained that whole line? I was so irritated when I wrote that. I mean, and I wrote it. That whole thing about when Stark told him that he, you know he, he hadn't like gained or lost anything in days, and um, I was like, that fucking asshole. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't have to write that, but I still <laughs> wrote it, and I was still irritated by it. I mean, I can gain a pound just by sitting still for too long. I don't understand how that happens, but it does. <laughs> Walmart has this um, cheesecake mousse in their deli section. My goodness. Good, huh? It is. Mm-hmm. To the point, I, I looked up my own how to make it myself at home. And all it basically is, is cream cheese, powdered sugar, and whipped cream. Well, there's nothing wrong with any of that. No. (laughs) I was like, this is beautiful. (laughs) And then you just chill it and you eat it. (laughs) I can do that. Now, I've made cream cheese whipped cream before, which, you know, that's, Amazing. Which is essentially it's what amazing. that is. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just, I've, it's never, just I've, never chilled, I've never chilled it. I've never chilled it. Which, yeah. I mean, you could, right? I mean, ugh. yeah. Yeah, Ben and Jerry's yeah. strawberry cheesecake is really good, really good ice cream. Yeah. So, in terms of the opinion of the day, is should you reach out to authors and point out their inaccuracies? In my opinion, no. Is there an exception? No. Because if you're in their circle of people who could, should, that they've asked to do that, you wouldn't be asking the question. I agree. I agree. Um, it's just rude to intrude on writers without their permission. I mean, if, it's, if you have permission, it's not an intrusion. It's just rude to intrude. Just, just put that in your, in your brain. Lock it in. Um, it rhymes. It should be easy. <laughs> now, a big chunk of fandom disagree will disagree. They they would they would they would start a flame war with us over it if they could. It makes them so mad the idea of being told that they can't say something. But I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> the thing is, is you can say all you want, but you can't say it on my space. Yep. And go, you yep. can go 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 make a website. You can dedicate a whole damn WordPress to bitching about my content. I'm not going to read it, and I'm not going to give your opinion any value, but you can go do it. I'm not stopping you. Because it does boil down I'll to think- validation, because... When you're seeking out an author to correct them, not only do you want to to point out their errors and see them corrected, you want to be validated. You want them to acknowledge your superior 
knowledge. <laughs> you just want them. You want them to say, "Oh my God, you're right." I'm so. I'm so sorry. Thank you for pointing that out to me. And that validation is an ode to you. I'll be surprised when you don't get it. Or you want to feel like you're contributing to a story you really like, but that's really extra intrusive if that's your motivation. Because if somebody, if you have an, there's nothing more intrusive than someone you have not invited into your creative process getting in it. There was a case I heard of of somebody that, that I'm close to who was discussing having a discussion with people about one of their story ideas and what they were working on and the scene that she was working on or something. I don't remember the exact specifics of how it came up, but someone in the conversation who had not been in any way given this kind of leeway, I, I wouldn't do this to anybody, just started writing the scene for her. For her. That is so ugly. It is so intrusive. It's just that's not the way that I, works. You don't just you just don't take a paintbrush from like an artist and start painting their painting. If you're not invited to help out with that kind of thing, you don't do it. I my soul just cringed. I I'll tell any editor going into the editing process, look, if something is awkward and something doesn't work for you, point it out to me and I'll rewrite it, but please don't rewrite my stuff. And it's not about um, me thinking my words are gold, because I don't. I do, um, when I have allowed editors to 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 insert their own sentences, it often disrupts pace and flow because their word, uh, because their author voice is nothing like my own. And and you, you have to be really talented as an editor to mimic an author's voice, and that's something that I rarely encounter with with, with copy editors. They're very talented yeah. at what they do, but they're not capable of, of mimicking my voice. And so the content they would insert would be jarring. And I'll change it any way they want me to change it, but it needs to be done in my voice. I have had... Um... Now, I, when I edit people sometimes, if there's something that needs to be rephrased, I will offer them suggestions in a comment, like you could do this, or you could do this, or you could do this. Or if something's unclear, I'll be like, do you mean this, or do you mean this? Um, because in general, when you're editing, when you're copy editing, your goal is not to do things like, what do you mean? Um, because it's, not, it's just not constructive. Um, so you're usually trying to you know, put it something out there like, is this what you mean? Uh, or whatever. Or this needs to be, or this needs to be phrased. But I don't just write things for people. Well, there was like one exception. Number one, but I don't it, think it's a teachable thing. Often it becomes something that's not teachable. Because if you're doing the work for them, they're not learning anything. Yes. Yeah, I have had readers insert their own ideas or assumptions into my work. But go ahead. 
she's seen it as someone wanting to claim a part of your story as theirs. And I do see that because there have been times people have guessed where a plot was going. And then if when I when I go ahead and stick with my plot the way it, it was written, they'll feel like they gave me that idea and express that they gave me that idea. And that it, it, and like trying to claim ownership of it. And it's like, oh. More often than not, if I can, as someone who's guessed something that is like, you know, not super critical, I will change it to just not have I will that do. whole conversation. And sometimes, but sometimes I can't. really super critical, I will like fucking replot that whole shit because it pisses me off. And it's one reason why I don't like to write works in progress outside of Rough Trade because I don't like anybody guessing my shit. really don't. It's frustrating. I don't need your help plotting. Thanks. And if somebody... Now, I have to have seen people make a casual mention. Um, well, it's not like it's a guess. It's, it's almost like it's just so obvious that they just talk about it like it's true. And for some reason, I don't know how to explain the difference where it's like, oh, this is going to happen or I bet you this is going to happen versus it's going to be, you know, it's just, there's something about, there's a tone difference when someone is just, it seems so obvious to them that that's where you're going and they're talking about it as if that's the way it's going. Well, that's it's like, like, okay, well, maybe that's reader engagement versus reader arrogance. Yeah. But you, you can tell there's a distinct tone difference between them and it's pretty easy to spot. Um, and, and so there's, there's, there's sometimes things like the line is muddy, but it, it's usually pretty easy to tell when someone is. And one of the key things is, is the times when it really seemed to me like it was arrogance is then when I post the part that they guessed, they'll be like, oh, I'm so glad you, you used my idea. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, 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 dog. Um, I think it's the difference between having someone talk to you and talk at you. Yeah. And but no, I have actually never followed through. Anytime anybody has something has guessed something that I had planned, I replotted a significant part of what might have been to avoid someone giving um someone doing that to me. Because they had guessed something that I was going to do and I didn't approve their comment. I deleted it and then I replotted. Because fuck that. I was so mad. I was so mad. I hate it. Because <laughs> I knew that they would come back and say, oh, I'm so glad you used my idea. Fuck you. Fuck you. Just super frustrating. It's really frustrating when someone inserts and tries to claim ownership. Because I am not, I'm not even a teeny tiny bit bashful about giving credit about inspiration, about elements and other authors that I have borrowed with permission. Um, I'm, I, I am very careful to do that because I think it's important to acknowledge those kinds of things for one reason, to stave off discussions about my inspiration. But aside, aside from just preventative measure, it's to acknowledge, thank you for being inspiring. It's an acknowledgement, right? It's credit where credit is due. And since I do such a good job of that, it is mystifying to me when people claim credit that I haven't awarded because it wasn't didn't belong to them. It's like, what are you doing? Get 
off of this. I, I, it's like, it's like, why are you trying to get something out of me? I don't want to give. It's just we use the word a lot because it fits. It's very intrusive. I don't want you in my process. I don't want you the credit queen. <laughs> Or the it blame, is really or annoying. The or the blame, depending the blame. on the situation. The situation. I'll be, I'll be blamed sometimes for the, Claudia for the for for probably the rest of my writing career. Yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, I said it before, and I'll say it again. A lot, ninety-nine percent of the things I do, I, I do out of spite. Uh, but yeah, I will replot a whole damn book to avoid um, make, when, having somebody tell me that they gave me an idea. <laughs> Yeah. Unless I like them. And I'll be like, yeah, I will use your idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, there's a couple of stories I couldn't I couldn't replot. I mean, if somebody guessed critical element, it's either give yeah. up the story or just go with it. Um, One of the more I mean, funny I things could. I remember during the um, – when, when you wrote uh, Snape going back in time, was people trying to guess. Um, who Harry was reincarnated as and getting it wrong and being so confident yeah. in their wrongness. It, it was really good. That was one of the rare times when I approved comments of people's guesses because they were so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. Um, like, people are Thanks. always asking me to kill Ron Weasley and it, it, it will never not be amusing. It it cracks me up. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, people have. Um, I know we've only got a few. More, we don't have a ton more time, but it, yeah, people minutes. have an interesting, an interesting. There was like a comment made about something about. Um, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but I'm just gonna have to. I, it's hard to. Cap dance around this. But somebody made a comment about the, the last part of Century that the only thing that could have made it better, that's always a bad thing to start with, folks, is, is the only thing that could have made it better. Okay? But yeah. But it, was, it was a complimentary comment, but it was the only thing that could have made it better was if Tony had used Thor's hammer on Natasha and Fury. Um. <laughs> And the thing is, I, I just kind of rolled my eyes at it and approved it because it shows a remarkable lack of insight into the way that I write. Um, yeah. It would have actually been terrible. I mean, it was there. Thor did that, that, that so that Tony had protection. It was his way of protecting his lover in, an, in a way that wasn't obvious, okay? But for Tony to reveal something, a piece of intelligence that vital without exigent circumstances is absurd and nothing I would ever The day that anybody finds out that Tony can wield Thor's hammer is the day that Thanos invades Earth. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It is something... And he, he, this is what he does. Intelligence is what he does. He is not going to give up a critical piece of intelligence to basically... And it's funny, somebody mentioned to me that they thought Hydra was the, the antagonist in the story. Fury was always the antagonist in the story. 
So, but he's not going to give Eerie up. Fury essentially <laughs> destroyed Tony's life. Yes, the life that Tony led was destroyed because of of Fury, not because of Hydra. Right. Hydra fucked him Hydra up, is, but Hydra's Hydra's a villain. Up his they're life. kind of they're Hydra's a pretty typical Marvel villain, right? They're nebulous, you know. They're kind of a they're they're such an enormous amorphous blob that you can't really pin them as the antagonist in a story to me. You have to kind of pick a person in Hydra if you're going to use Hydra. But in any case, Fury was the antagonist. He always was. He was always driving what Tony was doing. And so Tony's not going to tell Fury more than he has to, which is why he was getting text messages from the president of the United States during that meeting to go ahead and indulge Nick Fury's ridiculous request. Because he wasn't going to do that of his own volition. He was ordered to. Anyway, so I think through these things about what Tony's going to do, and he is not going, unless they like, tried to kill him, he was not going to touch that hammer. But he appreciated what Thor's, Thor tried to do with that maneuver. And in a way, it was a bit of a threat, you know, remember the hammer kind of thing. But Fury would have dismissed it as a threat. So... But Tony picking it up never was going to happen. And so this is a case of where somebody who's and, – and I don't fault – people don't always get all the nuance, and that's fine. You don't have to get all of a writer's nuance. You know, so they didn't get what I was doing. What they thought would have made the scene better was to satisfy their urge for, I guess, Tony beating somebody with a hammer. So it, it was Revenge, like an urge to violence, yeah. amusement. Right. Um, you know. So they they had an urge, and their perception was that if that urge had been satisfied, that it would have made the story quote unquote better. But the thing is, in my opinion, if I had done that, I would have actually totally misstepped with Tony's characterization. It, a complete misstep. It would have been a jarring misstep, in my opinion. So this is a case of where there's a big disconnect, and it's fine that there's a disconnect. It's fine. What's not fine is for people to push their wishes onto, uh, onto the writer. And it's not okay also for me to tell somebody what they have to get out of my story. Because if that is the thing, if that kind of, I hate this term, but it's been used a lot, smackdown is the thing people really are reading for, then um, I can't tell them they don't get to have visceral satisfaction from reading that stuff, right? But my intention may not be the same as what they're getting out of it, and that mismatch is fine. We need to learn how to let that be. That they don't get out of it what I wanted them to or they didn't understand my nuance is fine, and I need to be okay with that. That I didn't have Tony smacking Nick Fury in the head with Thor's hammer is a disappointment to them. Is fine. They can be disappointed if they want. They just don't get to thrust that disappointment on me. Did that all make sense? Yes. It made perfect sense. No, no thrusting disappointment. <laughs> there was plenty of thrusting in that story. I was not disappointed by the thrusting at all. It took a, <laughs> it took a while to get there, but thrusting was had. But thrusting was had on multiple levels by multiple people, and it was great. <laughs> the, the thrusting was great. The Chad was great. 
<laughs> My brain is always Chad. No, the it Chad was, was great. The, the Chad was great. <laughs> if you don't get that, you're too you're too young to be still be up. Go to bed. <laughs> You guys have a great weekend, and we'll catch you later. Say goodnight, Dilly. Good night, everyone. <laughs>